0: Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. On January 21st, 2017, the Emmerin Foundation hosted a presentation entitled Native Voices, Indigenous American and Red Ink Literary Festival. Today on 30 Minutes, we'll feature some of the speakers. Up first is host and MC Simon Ortiz. He's from Acamo Pueblo, and he's the regents professor in the English department at Arizona State University. Today's first poet is Karen W. Olson. She's a Muskego Cree from the Peguis First Nation in Manitoba, Canada. It was listening to the kitchen stories on her parents and their friends, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, which sparked a lifelong interest in storytelling. In the second portion of today's show, we'll hear from Ruben Kuchbach. This is part three of a multi-part series.
1: And then we have Karen Olson. Karen Olson is not from here originally, although she comes here uh, very often. And in fact, uh, annually, she's from uh, Manitoba. And Manitoba, as you know, is in uh, Canada, and uh, she's uh, part of the Cree the uh, nation and other 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 peoples and she tell you more about herself through her uh, poetry and stories and uh, I'd like to welcome her uh, t- as part of our our, our group Annie hello I wanta gabik
2: condition in babishje and my traditional name is awanagwik my english name is Karen Olson and I'm from the Martin clan I'm really honored to, of course, be here and to read alongside the literary circle that's gathered here today. I'm very proud to give my voice to the Native Voices, Indigenous American and Red Ink Literary Festival. And, of course, I'm very honored to stand in the uh, Chiricahua Apache territory and your neighbors to the north at Tohono O'odham. I have a niece and nephew uh, from Tohono O'odham now. Very, very uh, beautiful children. And I, of course, I want to pay my respect to the people and to the ancestors of this land. I listened to the wind last night, and uh, it was strong and beautiful. You know, when I told my family that I was coming here, they gave me praise and they gave me good words. And they requested that I bring greetings from my family to this land and to the people here. So uh, my family its greetings to you all. In respect of their request, they asked me to, uh, you know, make sure you sing some songs for, from our lodge. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to sing a one uh, short uh, a verse from one of our songs. And this song uh, acknowledges, you know, the very small and humble part that the human beings play in this, uh, you know, this wide and beautiful earth. It's called Sakwe Nemoyan. You know, when I first started singing, I sang really low because I was shy to sing, you know, and then I, very, very humming almost. And then one of my elders uh, said, why aren't you singing? And I said, oh, I don't think my voice is that good. And she said, uh, you know, Creator gave you that voice. Just you know, it's your voice, so let it out. So I, I may not be the greatest singer, but uh, I do let my voice out. That's my buffalo yell. <laughs> so, for the past five years, I've been involved and uh, part of a education program called Kinamau. In my language, in the Mashkego Cree language, it means all of us. And uh, it was a community based education program. It took place in my community, and what it did was bring uh, people from our community and our neighbor community together and uh, to a teacher program, but it was all indigenous-based education. Indigenous teachers and um, the learning was, uh, you know, based in our indigenous uh, knowledge. And um, I was their first instructor and throughout the years I also uh, organized and did the culture camps for them. And then I was their last instructor, their last class. So I've been with them for five years. And uh, they grad- some of them graduated this June. Others have a few days, a uh, few more courses to complete. And um, now those few that are, are teachers now in our schools and in our neighboring schools. And I'm very proud of My, you know, those beautiful students. And um, as Ininiquay, as a Cree woman, and I, as I mentioned, I'm a member of the Martin clan, which is uh, considered the warrior clan. One of my duties is to take direction from elders, and uh, who want to wanted to pass their knowledge on to me. And I would ask in a traditional way. Sometimes it would take days for them to answer me, but uh, I always got an answer. And uh, Kajianikut was uh, my first, one of my uh, one of my teachers. Of course, my first teachers are my parents and my grandparents. But uh, when I wanted to learn and uh, walk the red road, I went to Kajianikut and his wife Molly and um, they took me into their home, very poor home, poor people. He, he kept nothing for himself from the people that came to him and gave him blankets and money and you know, gifts. He kept nothing and um, he gave it all away. Very generous man. And what he taught me and what she taught me was uh, you know to listen to the wind. And man, you could really hear the wind last night. <laughs> it was beautiful. To watch the sky and to sing in the night. I sang last night here, too, in my room. And um, So the, po- the short poems that uh, I'm going to share with you today were written for my students who graduated, and uh, there were, uh, like I said, a few of them. And they're very short poems, so uh, I'll just read them all and um, tell you a little bit about these uh, People that uh, I worked with and who are now the teachers of, and are you know bringing education and indigenous-based education to my uh, my I people. Still Angela. Angela uh, Bird. She was uh, she uh, bounced around from a lot of uh, different uh, education programs, seeing what she didn't you know what she wanted, what she didn't want, and uh, she had a stutter and she was always so unsure of herself. Well, you know, am I going to be a good teacher because I have a stutter? And uh, it was like, Angela, <laughs> you know, you're not here to, you know, to work on your stutter. You're here to work, to work for our children. So, um, and these poems are written for the day they graduated, which you'll hear I say a lot today in a lot of my poems. So, Angela, you rode the wind today. You flew with hawks, and this filled your soul. The wind. The hawks, your soul, and the sky, on this day, were one. Gigi, Gigi is a student of mine. I started uh, teaching nursery when uh, you know when I was 24 I was a nursery teacher, and 35 years later, she's in my uh, she's in the teacher program. So we've come quite full circle with my dear little Gigi. Gigi, you dance with the wind today. Your bones a flute. Your heart a drum, you sing to the earth with soft breath, and spin about on the grass with your heart on fire. Mm. Stacy is another one of my nursery girls, and um, uh, again, same story, you know, a full circle. Come 35 years later, she's, uh, you know, I'm teaching her you know, you know, to be a teacher. <laughs> Stacy, you ride the wind today in a clear blue swirl that touches the sky. Dan. Dan Cook, um, hard living guy, you know, a heart of gold, gentle, you know, gentle when sober, <laughs> crazy and when a little under the influence. But, uh, you know, nobody thought Dan would, would make it because of his, uh, you know, his lifestyle, but uh, he's changed his lifestyle, he's changed, and he's, uh, you know, he's a teacher now.
0: Dan, you are the wind
2: today, sing free, sing strong, sing your victory, for you are the wind.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Bernie. Bernie is another uh, young man that I've uh, watched grow up uh, in, my, in my community. Wonderful young man. He's very interested in outdoor education, teaching you know trapping and all those ancient skills that our people are losing and are gaining ground and gaining back because of young men like Bernie. Bernie, you sing with the wind today, with your head upturned and your eyes, arms thrown wide as a golden sun shines brightly for you. Wendy, Wendy is my cousin. And again, she was so unsure of herself as a, you know, as a teacher, but uh, five years later she's graduated and she's a teacher. She likes to travel too. <laughs> Wendy, across many miles across sacred land, across generations. We live each day, breathing. Time passes in sacred existence. We live each day, remembering. Brenda Mary. (laughs) Brenda Mary and I grew up together. When we were 12 years old, we shared the same boyfriend. (laughs) We walked down the back, we called it the old road he's holding my hand, and he's holding Brenda's hand, then he'd walk home. (laughs) And Brenda always, she lived further, so I, he'd drop me off first, and then he'd walk Mary home, and I'd be wondering, oh my God, what are they doing, what are they doing? (laughs) But then on his way back, he'd stop in to see me. (laughs) So Brenda, Mary, and I have uh, been friends a long time. Brenda, Mary, turn your eyes to the night sky where grandmother sits wrapped tightly in a blanket of stars. Cradled in perfect balance, she spirals toward the fading night to move gently toward a new beginning." And Denise. Denise comes from a, know, a real tough family. And uh, sometimes you have to live up to the toughness of of your family when you live on reserve. And although Denise tried, <laughs> her gentle heart just uh, gave her away as you know one of the gentle Thomas people. Denise, across many generations, we live and we breathe upon sacred land. Generations of children will breathe that air and live sacred lives. Across many generations, across sacred land, we live and we breathe. I also, um, uh, those were the students that graduated, but uh, there's other, I, I'm kind of into these little short uh, works right now, and I really love the way old people remember things, and this next uh, short story is uh, is kind of dedicated to uh, uh, how the old people remember. It's called Little Birds. Mm-hmm. Young boy goes hunting with a slingshot for birds so his grandma can eat. She lost all her teeth and can't chew deer meat. She was so happy to eat them little birds and drink the broth. Seven decades later the boy is an old man and he too has lost all his teeth. So he made a slingshot for his grandson and asked him to go get some little birds. He got four little birds. Grandpa cooked them birds and ate the good soup. He had tears in his eyes because he remembered his grandma. The little boy asked, Why are you crying, Grandpa? Grandpa smiled. Because you are me.
0: <laughs>
2: so, um, And to close, I just want to uh, share one more song. Uh, of our lodge again and this song honors the great eagle uh, who flies highest uh, in the sky. In our prophecies and in our stories the eagle uh, is, uh, is an important uh, uh, being. Uh, he's the one that uh, you know when our people were losing our faith and losing our ways it was the eagle who said, told the creator, uh, I'm going to look and I see if one person is offering their tobacco and burning their fires and if there is one person creator you'll save the you know you will save the people creator was getting kind of sick of us and he was right. going to get rid of us but the eagle is the one who intervened so we really honor that eagle so this song is called okay, Megisu, it means the great eagle
0: We're listening to remarks made by Karen Olson. She is Muskego Cree from the Peguis First Nation in Manitoba, Canada, and she read at Native Voices, Indigenous American and Red Ink Literary Festival, which was held at the Amaranth Foundation on January 21, 2017. Up next, we'll hear Ruben Kushbach, a Tohono O'odham Nation member, who has been recently published in Indigenous Stewards, a publication of the Southwest Health Sciences Center, College of Pharmacy.
1: We have Ruben Kushpa here. Ruben is a uh, Tohono, all of them, who's local. And he is a uh, very much <coughs> a writer, uh, not only in poetry, but an emerging writing altogether. And uh, he is... Uh, uh, really a promise to look forward to in the future for this <coughs> for this region. And you will uh, uh, receive a sample of uh, his uh, uh, poetry and prose uh, today.
3: So I'm just going to jump right into it. Uh, my name is Rumi Chit I'm Tom from Sal's Arizona. Um, I got invited. Uh, when we first came out here it was from Simon. I wrote with Simon maybe uh, 2010 at an event at ASU and I was a student there. And, and then he remembered me and asked me to come out and read. So poetry wasn't really my thing. I mean, I, I wrote them, uh, wrote poems, but I never really read. So anyway, I wrote this poem for, um, for an event we had down in, um, at the TOCC, the Twin Autumn Community College. It was a, an event on borders. And so we're talk about borders for me I uh, my people encountered the, um, the Spanish way way back when Sanavir's Vera's Santa Vera mission is um, stated uh, early 16 16th, 16th century so and it was years before then that uh, decades before when we encountered them so we've been dealing dealing with uh, this whole process for a long time so anyway but before the Papagos. I remember when ceremony used to be sacred, when the coyote came to laugh with the clowns and the, the bayaduct, the cactus fruit, was the only liquid spirit in autumn territory. That was before the heavy footfalls of the armored conquistadors that inflicted limits and borders to the autumn, which continues to exist in the shadows of USA colonization and self-proclamation. We were good workers, said the Catholics before the, the Franciscans, the ones who named the Pimas, Navajos, and Papagos. For a time, Coyote let, had no ceremony to come to. You could hear him cry in July, Ihim, Ihim, Opim, See why see Munich. Come, come, all of you. Come dance, sure dance, sure sing. But nothing happened. The rain cried around the world, eager to hear the autumn songs for all worlds coyote never experienced a drought in ceremony. This is when the desert and everything in it was introduced to fear and raw oppression. Out here in the desert, we know of drought, but, but the coyote knows that too long of a ceremonial drought will kill the universe. Coyote, the eagle, the hawk, and especially the harshan cactus were sad. They all saw a border go up in the midst of a, a ceremonial drought that divided the autumn from their pure autumn connection to all things here on Mother Earth and throughout the universe and all of Creator's creations. It was said that the animals carried the sacred autumn songs, they hid the sacred gourds and visited with gifted autumns to ensure our connection to all life and all existence here on Mother Earth and throughout our all of Creator's creations continue. In this time, Coyote has stolen the violin to play and pull people away from ceremonial grounds, even the lost Othams. Today we see fences and walls all around the Today the Otham put up their own fences and walls because they look good and keep the animals and people in or out of their yards. The very ones who saved the universe and who we really are. And who we really are. I wonder if these Othams still hear Coyote's violin. Why is it nobody remembers the border that the conquistadors, Catholics, and Franciscans put up long before the Border Patrol was even thought of? Long before there was an America, the one whose bob wire is fear and oppression, and the one that gave the autumn their Spanish last names to ensure that the border was never to ensure the border never goes down. I wonder. But today, I think creator for Simon Ortiz, in the minds of fearless native poets. For we are the seventh generation, and we are here to tear down these borders of all invading colonizers. Out here in the desert, we pray for rain so that all life, including Mother Earth herself, is replenished. I live beyond the limits and borders that oppress my often people, even if I have to kill my last Spanish name to do it. So this is I kind of um read and um I wrote this um because of the um, um the drain the drain mine that was spilled into this Snake River from King Gold Mine um in the summer of 15. <clears throat> and um so here um I'm this, I, was just, I, I, got, I had my degree then and I'm, I'm working for the Environmental Protection Office for the Tonal Optimization and so I'm thinking what good did my degree do that river or all the aquatic life or the ecosystems that, that um, was contaminated by this mines village. and then I thought about all the, a lot of the native people that I was surrounded in when I was at ASU, um, undergrads, master's or grad students and PhD students. That, and I saw a lot of them graduate and a lot of them that, um, but none of our degrees could um, do anything for the, for the aquatic life. And it's just really heartening to just kind of like be helpless in that moment and, and see that happen. And, and then the only, the only real concern after that, I remember all these drives that were in Phoenix for, for water for Navajo people. And, that, and, I, and I agreed, I, I, I started to write a letter of support for my nation to the Navajo Nation for that, but I couldn't write it because it was so much more than just the Navajo Nation. It was all that life there. And so for me it was, well, who's gonna advocate for the water, for the, for the animals, for the aquatic life, for the ecosystems there. And um, as, as the author and I'm a steward, we we're, were stewards of the land and that's what we did. We took care of those things and we made sure those things didn't happen. So we made decisions that would prevent those things from happening. So when it happened, it was, um, and I, was just, I don't know, i was just kind of pissed off about it. But I wrote this poem, and, and, I keep, and I keep renaming it, because I don't know what to name it. But So I'm calling it The education, Educational Rape of the begotten Savage, because we've been taken so far away from those values that we didn't really implement them. We're starting to get back to them today. But for a long time, there was more capitalistic thinking. And, and, and um, we progressed for ourselves, not for our people. But today, we're, we're changing that. So, um, Arrogance admits from words contaminated with apologetic letters, assimilating the historical plume of eloquent excuses to entertain the resi- resilient. Entitlement vindicates the violation of rock, soil, plant life, water life, and all connected to earthly life. Tattered and defeated, my degree floats helplessly in the the yellowish rhetoric of a gold mine. Foreign intelligence dismisses any tribal knowledge of true balance, forging savages inferior. Deception fills the thousandth generation of mirrors with the illusion of I, me, mine. Cowardly, my degree floats helpless in the yellowish rhetoric of a gold mine. Hungry is all life that feed on the snake. Even now, their mouths continue to fill with old meadows fresh from our Mother Earth's boughs, choking on the brilliance of greed. The hungry clearly see mighty grief float helpless in the yellowish rhetoric of all gold mines. Thirsty is all life that live with snake. Today's snake cannot share the bounty of life. Today's snake is sick. Today's snake and all life upon her, all life in her. Watch all the well intended BAs, MAs, and PhDs of the indigenous float helpless in the yellowish re- rhetoric of one gold mine. In prison, sitting there with a snake in the freshness of new poverty, the hungry and thirsty can only see these degrees in the aura of arrogance solely serve the educated dead Indian and saved man called I, me, mine.
0: That was Ruben Kuschbach speaking at the Native Voices Indigenous American and in Red Ink Literary Festival, which was held at the Emmerin Foundation on January twenty-first, two 2017. Ruben Kushbach is a Tohono Autumn member who has been recently published in Indigenous Stewards, a publication of the Southwest Health Sciences Center College of Pharmacy. This has been part three of a multi-part series. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager.